Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastor from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. Welcome to week two of Think Out, or week three actually, of Think Outside. We started on Easter. We talked about thinking outside the tomb and how God can take some of our hopes and dreams and things that have had to die and be out inside the tomb and how God doesn't stay inside the tomb. How God comes out and begins to think about the life that he has for you and for me. Last week, Pastor John spoke to us about thinking outside our cell, those things, those sins, those uh, things that entangle us, that keep us locked up, and how we begin to understand that God does not want us there. That's not where God is thinking. God is thinking outside the cell. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about thinking outside the calendar, thinking outside the clock. And as we go there, um, one of the things that I want to talk with us about real quick is what it means for us to think outside the clock, to think outside the resources that we have. Some of us think about our time, our talents, our treasure. We talk about those things. And I remember as a kid growing up hearing sermon after sermon uh, where pastors would say, show me your, um, show me your uh, checkbook and show me your Franklin planner and I'll show you what's important in your life. And everybody under the age of 50 said, what's a checkbook and what's a Franklin planner, right? I mean, that's kind of how it goes. We don't talk about it anymore. So I would say this. Show me your calendar app and show me your bank app and I'll show you what's important to you. Very often we, we look at resources, we look at time, we look at money and we seem to have limited resources. We want to figure out how we, if I just had enough time, if I just had enough of this. Some of us get into battles in life where we need more time. If only I had a little more time. Some of us when we're younger, we think we have all of the time in the world. And as we get older, we begin to realize and understand I don't have as much time and I'd like more time. Do I have any witnesses in the house today? Okay, okay. Just want to make sure you're tracking with me. Seemed like you'd already fallen asleep. So what if um, we began to think about someone who didn't have limited resources? What if there was a way to add time? What if there was a way that we could have more money? I mean, what if governments could just, like, print more money? Some of you caught that joke. Okay, there we go. I'm not taking a jab. Whatever political party you think I'm taking a jab at, it's the other one, okay? Just be mad at everybody, okay? But we serve a God who created everything. We understand that as we look at the world, as we understand the things we need. I don't think we all stop and realize that time itself is a creation of God. Before there was evening and morning and days were measured, there was God. God created the sun and the moon and all of the ways that we begin to keep track of things. Time is in his hand. And we wonder, what what in the world does that mean? Well, I'm going to go to a story that may show you a little bit about that. It's found in uh, Joshua chapter 10. But before we get there, if you want to turn in your Bibles or take your phone out and slide up to it, Joshua chapter 10, that's where we'll be. Um, The premise of what I'm going to tell you today is that Christians don't have a resource problem. Christians have a reliance problem. We rely on everything but the one who actually has the resources. Let me say that to you again because some of you are just now catching this. 
Christians do not have a resource problem. We have a reliance problem. The problem is that we rely on everything but the one who has the resources. In uh, Joshua chapter 10, what we have is a story of the people of Israel coming into Canaan. Uh, God's told them to come in. This is the land that he promised Abraham. So they're going to come in and one by one begin to destroy the tribes that are there and take it over and it'll be their land. So the first place they hit is Jericho. We all know the story of Jericho, or many of us do. Uh, for those of you that don't, they come in. The people march around the city seven times. And on the seventh day, they shout, they blow trumpets, and the walls of the city fall, and they're able to defeat Jericho, one of the strongest cities coming into Canaan. Then they go down and they take on this little town of Ai, and um, they don't ask God, they don't seek the Lord in it, they just go do it. And they go down and they get utterly wiped out. And they go, what in the world happened? And so Joshua goes before the Lord and he says, um, if you, if you want to go do those things, you might want to seek me before you go do it. Jericho didn't fall because of you. Jericho fell because of me. And you tried to go off without me. And so I want you to learn quickly. Without me, you can't do anything. With me, you can do all kinds of things. So they learned their lesson. They began to seek the Lord, whatever they were doing, wherever they were going. Sometimes they would forget. God would have to remind them. But we come to the story where the Gibeonites begin to see what's going on. So very quickly, they make a treaty with Israel. Some of the other kings, and I'm not going to name them all, all the Funites, you know, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Termites, whatever they were. They're all, you know, they're all fighting, doing their thing. They're going to, we, we've got to wipe these people out. So they go up to take on Gibeon. And while they're going to take on Gibeon, Gibeon calls Joshua and goes, hey, you made a treaty with us. Come help us. So Joshua calls together the men, they go up, they go to battle with Gibeon, and as they're fighting these five other kingdoms, um, they realize they're not going to win. Things aren't going to go well, and so here's how, it, here's how it comes out. Joshua chapter 10, verse 1. Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had captured and completely destroyed Ai and killed his king, just as he had destroyed the town of Jericho and killed its king. He also learned that the Gibeonites had made peace with Israel and were now their allies. So he and his people became very afraid when they heard all of this because Gibeon was a large town, as large as the royal cities and larger than Ai. And the Gibeite men were strong warriors. Drop down to verse 12 because the rest of it's just describing all these other people. It says, on the day that the Lord gave the Israelites over to the Amor or gave them victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed for the Lord in front of all the people. And he said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Aijalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its army. In this event, is this event, sorry, not recorded in the book of Jashar, the sun stayed in the middle of the sky, and it did not set as on a normal day. There has never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. Get the sense now of God intervening, stepping in, sun stands still, moon stands still. Some of you may have read all kinds of crazy things about NASA doing an experiment way back where they lost part of their time and they can't figure out where this full day went. Um, it's not true. NASA never really did that, but it makes really cool internet reading, right? So let me give you all another just helpful, helpful, tent, helpful hint here, and it is that um, not everything you read on the internet is true. Um, Abraham Lincoln said that. I, I read it on the internet. I read it on the internet. So um, 
Don't believe all those things. What, what's true, though, is that God worked in the life of his people. What the story is trying to say to us is if we seek the Lord, if we follow him, if we're serving him, we can actually move the heart of God. And our God has power over things way bigger than us. Things that we think are limited. Time, right? You only have so much of it, right? Unless maybe God's on your side. John Wesley was asked one time uh, how he was able to spend so much time in prayer. For those of you that don't know who John Wesley is, he was a pastor over in England uh, during the Great Awakening and some of the revivals that broke out. He brought Methodism to the United States. Uh, he was the founder of Methodism, even though he didn't mean to start it. It was just a way of helping people grow in Christ and become more like him. John Wesley spent tons of time ministering to people, doing tons of different things. But it was rumored that he would get up and spend between three and four hours a day praying before he went about doing the things that he needed to do. And someone asked him one time, how in the world do you do this? You have so much to do. And John Wesley's reply was this, I do. I have so much to do that I spend several hours in prayer before I'm able to do it. Now that doesn't make much sense to most of us. Why would you waste three to four hours praying when you have so much to do? Um, I know for my own personal life, there are moments when I get up and I spend time in prayer, I've got so much things to do. I bring them before the Lord and ask the Lord to help me and I'll get to work and I'll start working and I will work what seems like half a day and look up and it's only been like an hour. I don't know what's going on. There's other days I get up and I think I've got so much to do. I don't have that much time to spend with the Lord. So... I'm going to take off and I'm going to get to work and I, got to, I get to work on this stuff fast. And I get to work and it seems like I work so hard all day long and the day flies by and I got nothing done. What is the difference in those two days? There's something that happens when we spend time with the one who created time that he knows our schedules. He knows our calendars. He knows our watches. Some of you are already looking at your watches. Some of you have had your eyes pinned on this sand since I put it up here going, that's not going down very fast. We're not going to get out of here on time. Or what I think's on time. Aren't you? How many of y'all are nervous? Just be honest. This will be a long service. What's going on? Is that an hour? Is that 90 minutes? I can't tell. I'm not going to tell you. What I'm here to tell you, though, is the God who created time, knows the time that you need. He knows the resources you need. He knows the answers to the problems you're about to face. So why would we not spend time coming before him? I'm going to ask you all to stand with me this morning. It's the middle of the service. We tell you the altars are always open, but one of the things I'm going to ask you to do is to come to the altars if you'd like to pray. Many of you have walked in here today with things that are going on in your life and you came to worship God today in the hopes that somehow he would reach into your life and touch. Some of you are still holding on and battling to some of the addictions and the things that Pastor John preached about last week. Some of you are worried about the future, things that are coming up, diagnoses the doctors have given you or a loved one. Some of us have come today because we're lost and struggling and don't know what the future holds. I'm here to tell you today, the God who makes the sun and moon stand still, 
has decided to take his time and be here with you this morning. So why not come and seek him for whatever that problem is? We're gonna sing and as we're singing, you can turn around and kneel right where you are. You can come down to these altars and pray. I'm gonna make my way down here and I'm gonna pray and begin to seek what God has for me. But as you're doing so, pray that God would show us what he has for us, the ground that he wants to take, the ground he wants to take back, the ways that he wants to work in and through you. And don't limit him by saying, God, I don't have enough time. Or God, I've already wasted too much time. Because the God who created time has all the time in the world for you and for me. Would you join us as we sing? Has he been good in your life? Can you praise him? All right, you can be seated as you praise him. Just go ahead and have a seat. Oh. It's okay, it's okay. We got one for second service. We go. So that means I got a lot of time left in this message. Hope y'all don't have lunch plans. All right. How about that? What do you do with your time? Where do you put your resources? What is it that God wants to do in and through you? Last year, we started in the fall praying for God to move in and among us, asking what God would lead us to do specifically as a church. We know God wants us to help people take their next steps toward him, right, together. And we do that, but specifically, what's going on? And, and so we began to pray, and many of you began to send in emails. Through September, October, November, the church board gathered and prayed and uh, something interesting was happening as we did all that. So we prayed about vision for our church. It's not ironic to me um, that, that our denomination right now is praying for vision and direction. So we come out of this pandemic to say, God, what do you want us to do here in America, around the world? You know, this last two years that we had wasn't lost. You know what went on. You know what needs to happen. You know what you can do in and through us. So what is it you want to do? What is your vision for our church? What is your vision for our lives? What is it you want to do in and through us? And so we've gathered to pray for, for protection for us as a people. We've gathered to pray for direction that God would show us what he wants, but most of all, revelation that God would speak. Because we can go against whatever our AI might be, that little town that we think we can take over. But we need to realize we can do nothing without God. So through this time, there were people that, and I, I've had a lot of uh, other pastors that said, you're the pastor. You have the vision. You tell the people the vision. I said, I've never felt like I had some sort of red hot line to God that none of y'all had. Right? Y'all don't have to come to me and say, pastor, this is really important. So I know God likes you more. So would you pray for us? That's not the case. Okay? He does like me more. But he doesn't mean he listens to my prayers better. I hope you know I'm joking, right? God loves each and every one of us. We are his children. I do think that in leading our congregation, that God does speak to those of us in leadership who spend time with him, praying, asking, seeking him. And as I was praying, Lord, what, what is it you have for us? Um, I felt like the passage of scripture that kept coming to mind was one that I quoted to the board when, when uh, I became, was interviewing to be your pastor. And that was, uh, there's a passage in the book of Acts 
where it says, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. They'd spent time praying. They'd spent time seeking. And it wasn't that one person received something. One person got to speak that message. But as they gathered, as they prayed, as they worked, God began to move among them. And as I prayed, I felt like God said to me, Dale, I'm not going to give you the vision. I'm going to give the vision through his people. And when it bubbles up, you will see it. You'll begin to understand it. But I'm not going to give you this red hot, you know, the bat phone line to God, right? So over the last few months, as you all began to pray, what began to happen is people began to say things. And what happened was uh, some of the stories from our past began to bubble up. Stories I've heard you all tell. Uh, some stories of us gathering together about four years ago as a board and staff praying and seeking God where, so it was an awesome time together as we just began to pray and seek God and were quiet before him and people began to see things that God was saying to them. Someone had a picture. They're going to put four of them up here on the board. Um, one of them was of a wheat sheaf that someone was grabbing and trying to hold and they could not hold all the wheat. And someone else said, I... I feel that, I sense that, that there are so many that need to know the Lord, but we need more people to work. And I forgot about that until after we had finished our series on Lord of the Harvest saying, send more workers, harvest hands. We need people to work. There are people in our world that don't know Christ, that are lost. I don't know if we need to paint a picture of you of like a, a wheat field that's burning. And if we don't go out there and we don't get the wheat before it burns up, it's gone. But that's something that's begun to bubble up among people in our congregation. And so as those things came forward, that's something I was going, that's something that's consistent across our church. We've said forever. I remember hearing when I first moved here that Pastor Bob used to say, the most important person at Grove City Church of the Nazarene is the person who hasn't been here yet. Do we live that way as though the people who aren't in these seats are more important than those of us who are? in these seats. Uh, the next picture you'll see there is a, a guy falling down a pit. See a bunch of jagged stuff there. And someone said, I, I had a picture as I was praying. It hurt. There was this guy falling down a pit at the bottom. He was about to hit and be dead. He was going to be killed. And at the last minute, there was a, it was either a shepherd's staff or a fish hook, but something grabbed him and saved him. There are people in our city, they said, I, I feel like there are just people here in our community that are, they're about to be wrecked on the, on the the shards of a pit. Maybe their addictions, and maybe a number of things, but they need Christ. The next picture is a picture of a house. Some people began talking about broken homes in our community. They began talking about neighbors or kids that come to our youth group, kids that are in our children's ministry, troubles that they are facing at home, homes that are, that are falling apart. Someone else said, it's funny you're mentioning all that. They said, I didn't see all that. I just saw a literal house that was crumbling, falling apart. What does that mean? Someone else said, I had that same, not picture, but I sense that, that families are crumbling. How do we pray and how do we help people? Last but not least here, this last, just a few months ago, the board was gathered with the staff again, and as we're praying and seeking, people began talking, and some of these things kept bubbling up, and, and I began sketching, and I'm not a good drawer, but I was just sketching things out and listening, and thinking about those of us who've grown up in the church, those of us who've known the Lord, and, and a lot of just the weight of what's been going on in our lives, and we seem to have lost 
either the joy that we used to have when we first came to Christ, or if you read in the book of Revelation as he speaks to the church at Ephesus, he says, you know, you've lost the love that you had at first. How do we restore the roots? How do we restore the life of the tree so that the fruit that spring forth look like the fruit of the Spirit, like love, joy, and peace? How do we restore that? So looking at restoring the lost, restoring the broken, restoring homes, restoring us, hear what one word keeps popping up? Restore, restore, restore. And I thought, no, that's not really, that's not the word because we've already chosen to do a series in January called Restore. That's all it is. That's what's going on. And God began to say to me, maybe I chose you to do the, the restore because that's what I'm wanting to do through you all. That you would be my agents of reconciliation, restoring people to me. So what I want to talk to you about real quick is these four little icons that have begun to spring up in the life of our church through things that you've written in, through things the board has said, the staff has said, that as we look toward the next, let's say, three to five years, what can we do to make a difference in our community? Now, here's something that's really interesting. About a year ago, someone paid for the churches in, in uh, Columbus, Ohio, to be a part of something the Barna Group was doing, where we would receive resources and statistics and things about Columbus, Ohio specifically. And so we received a report at our church. We, we joined, signed up, and they sent us a list of what goes on in Grove City, Ohio. What are the households like here in Grove City, Ohio? Um, they can tell this by what people search for on the internet. They can tell it by the kind of things we buy. It's kind of scary all the things that they can do. But they said, here, we're just going to send you, here's what in general Grove City, Ohio is like. And what they said to us was, Grove City has got a great population and there's a lot of people there that in some ways have traditional views about God, but they're not really Christians. They're not living that out faithfully. They're kind of lost wandering around. The next thing they told us about was in Grove City, Ohio, um, the addiction rate is higher than the rest of America. The addiction rate is higher than most of Columbus. Kind of interesting. I think not Grove City. I live in Grove City. We're small town America. We're Mayberry, not Grove City. They're going, this is what statistics are telling us. Basically, what they're saying is there's people falling in a pit in Grove City, and their lives are headed toward destruction unless someone reaches out and does something to make a difference in their lives. The next thing, we know that the divorce rate in America is horrible, but guess what? It's worse in Grove City, Ohio, than the average of America. I can already tell y'all are going, this is a very uplifting moment of the message, Pastor Dale. Can you, can you get through this quickly? Time is ticking right? But here's what's interesting. Here's what's vital. Here's what's important for you, and for me. We found that many of these areas, our church is already beginning to act and beginning to move, or we have been acting, or we have been moving. It's been a part of who we are for a long time. People that are lost, we've said they're important to us. We get involved in outreach ministries, there are those who are suffering and hurting 
addictions like same exact people that the refuge works with. The refuge in Ohio is now nationally known for the, for the ways that men's lives are transformed through Christ and how they can get out of addiction. Some of you that are new here don't know that the refuge started right here, Grove City Church of the Nazarene, when a man named Tom Thompson felt called to leave his secular job and start working in that particular ministry. Jordan's Crossing is because some people here in our congregation decided the homeless that are around us all the time, right where we work, God's calling us to serve them, and now they're out of their secular jobs, and they're serving the homeless in in, uh, Central Ohio and in Columbus. You have the opportunity to be involved in those things. The covering that started over here in our farmhouse that's now down in Circleville, helping women out of addictions. You as a church have already been involved and active in those ministries. Right now, our very own Kevin Tiford, who was a state trooper and just retired, has been named the safety director of Grove City, Ohio. And one of the first things he put together was a task force to deal with a drug and opioid problem in Grove City, Ohio, of all places. And so when he went to figure out how can we get the faith community involved, he tapped right here, Grove City Church of the Nazarene and Grove City Christian School because he had a little basketball player who was horrible at basketball but played for him who loves the Lord. So David Morrison is on this task force to help us deal with the opioid problems here. Don't tell him I said he was horrible at basketball. He says he's horrible at basketball. Homes that are crumbling and falling apart. How are we ready to deal with moms or dads who are struggling in their marriage? How are we dealing with people who are just depressed and frustrated with life, how life is? We offer the marriage course. We offer uh, the pre-marriage course. It's fun to be able to sit with young adults and go through that before they get married. There are many of us in here who have received marriage help, but many more of us who need it, many more of us who could help others. So the question for us becomes, as we seek what God is doing in our lives, how can you begin to help refine this vision a bit? Over the next couple months, um, Ed Linville, Tom McLean, Tom Belleville, and Betty Haynes, who are four of our board members, uh, they're part of a special committee we put together for this year, a task force that's looking at the vision and direction of our church. They're going to have some times where they call together some focus groups. And so if you hear about one of those focus groups that may be meeting on Wednesday night or Sunday afternoon, say, I'm, I'm going to go. We, we want your input on things that we're doing and how we can do better to begin not just to, to minister to these people, but to make an impact in Grove City where these issues were years from now, hopefully, Hopefully three to five years from now, when a new glue report comes out, they'll go, we don't know what happened, but in Grove City, Ohio, it seems like there are more people who identify as Christian and are serving Christ. We don't know why, but in Grove City, Ohio, things have flipped around, and there are fewer people with addictions now. There seem to be people that are getting their lives back together. It seems like the divorce rate in Grove City, Ohio has declined. Why has that happened? It seems like there are less people that are depressed and dealing with all these types of issues in Grove City, Ohio. Why is that? We can say because God has chosen to work through a group of people who said, Lord, we know all the resources that we have are yours. We know that that's a long haul and a lot of stuff to get done, but time doesn't matter to you and you can do things way quicker than we ever think. 
So we're gonna put our minds and our energy and our heart behind these things to see what you can do to make a difference through us in Grove City, Ohio and around the world. So it's my prayer that you would begin to join with us on that. One of the ways that you can begin, I'm gonna give you a very practical way. Well, for 20 of you, only 20 of you can be involved in this this week. Um, there's, a, there's a ministry out now. It's called, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I forgot what it's called. First aid, mental health, first aid, mental health, first aid. Um, one of our members here, Janet Walker, uh, has been trained as a licensed trainer uh, for mental health first aid. And what it does is basically helps you be prepared when someone comes that's got issues, that they're struggling, they don't know what to do, they may be depressed, they may just have come to the end of their rope, they may just need someone to talk to. This is not gonna make you a full-blown counselor, okay? But it will help you be prepared to help people with those initial steps so that they can go where they need to go following that. Right now, Spirit of Peace Clinical Counseling is full, and there is a waiting list for people to see Christian counselors. I talked with Joe Geig, the director of Spirit of Peace Clinical Counseling, and said, you know, are you hiring more counselors? He said, I would if I could. He said, I cannot find enough people that are great counselors that also are confessing believers who want to make a difference in the lives of others, and they profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And he said, so I'm struggling to find great counselors. So right now, the counselors that we have is who we have, and, and we're just not, if you find some great counselors, send them to us. And what we began to say is, you know what? We've got great people here at the NAS who know the Lord and love the Lord. What if we could be trained enough to help people initially until some space frees up where they can see a counselor? Would you be willing to do some of that? What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Because as we close the service today, I'm going to invite Janet Walker, if she would come up. You just heard me mention Janet's name. I've asked Janet if she would pray for us as a congregation that God would begin to show each of us what he has for us to do. Because there are people in our community, probably in your house even, or in your family, I should say, that need help, that fit in one of these categories. Maybe a lost loved one who's wandered from God. It may be someone who, who's struggling with addictions or mental health issues. It may be someone in here who your marriage struggling, your family is struggling. And we need to pray. I know that hits all of us that are in here. How do we as a church begin to tackle these things? The way we're gonna tackle it is if every one of us gets involved. How many of y'all have ever been to a hospital? You ever been there? Yeah. Um, there's lots of sick people there, right? People have talked about the church at times being a hospital. Do you realize if you ever go to the hospital that there are more people who aren't sick in the hospital than those that are sick. There are sick people that are in the hospital, of course. There are doctors, there are nurses, there are people who are cleaning, there are security guards, there are people welcoming people at the front desk. There are so many people that are working so that the few people that are sick can be healed. What if we became that kind of a place where people knew they could come here, they could receive help? So I'm going to look at some of you who are healthy and say, how are you involved in that vision of helping them receive health? Janet, would you pray for us? 
this day for your word, your message that we've heard. Father, we thank you for your resurrection power that is at work within each and every one of us. Father, teach us to trust you, to rely on you and the resources that you have given us. Father, help us to realize that we, even though we are differently abled, we are still abled by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, there are people in need of restoration. There are people in need of reconciliation. Lord, help each and every one of us here to use the resources that you have given us to do impact work for your kingdom so that people can be restored and reconciled back to you and back to each other. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be a part of your greater vision. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Janet. You have an opportunity to sign up and be a part of that great ministry that's going on. We're going to sing about the goodness of God one more time here. Would you join us as we sing? Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.